Hey, Modern Commerce, welcome back. We're here at it again. Uh, I'm Casey, as always, here with my guy, John. And we have a guest today who needs no introduction, but I'm going to go ahead and let John take a stab at one that can uh, can do justice to him. All John, right, yes. Yes, it's Nick Shackelford 3. Shaq is back <laughs> and back again. Um, back. Third time. Three Pete for for Nickel for Mr. Nicholas Shackelford. You are now in third place. So I've been on the mo- I've been on the most times. Casey's been on the second most times because we're the hosts. Deal. And then you're third. <laughs> you're like basically an honorary host at this point. I'm on the bench at least. At least I'm getting some playing time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're getting some minutes. Um, Nick Shackelford, I guess I'll I'll introduce you for the people who didn't see the first two episodes. So first of all, if you haven't seen the first two episodes with Mr. Shackelford, definitely go check those out. Um, but uh, Nicholas Shackelford, founder of Structure, co-founder of Structured Agency, uh, one of the bigger e-commerce agent, bigger players in e-commerce growth, also co-founder of. What is the geek geek out? Formerly known as geek out. The geek artist out. formerly now known geek as geek out. Yeah. yeah now <laughs> geek X. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, in my opinion, the best live event series in marketing e-commerce. Um, what else? I mean, you're also involved in lucid. Uh, I mean the, the biggest claim to fame, I think for you is you more or less started the fidget spinner craze. By yeah. selling a whole bunch of fidget spinners on the internet back in the day. I wish I wish that would have been like the incline and then it would have been like that would have just been it. But I didn't make any money on that one as much yeah. as I should have. Yeah, you started a global like movement or at least a national movement. But like I was asking you the details about it once and you're like, at the end of the day, I, I, we didn't make any money. <laughs> like we almost lost money. Yeah, I think the, I mean, some of your topics, right? Your question was like, what are the businesses I was starting on? Like if I were to go back then, that would have been the right business to start then. But if you were to ask me what I would start today, probably wouldn't be a physical product, but I know we'll get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, um, so, I mean, the background, the, the whole kind of premise for this is um, both you and I and Casey as well have a lot of uh, experience either owning or promoting. Oh yeah. I forgot. you also own constant creative, which is kind of a productized service. Um, yeah. <clears throat> if we're to categorize that. Uh, so owning or, working very closely with a lot of different business models that you run online. Right. So um, if I'm, I'm kind of specifically breaking it up, I'm going to go into, we're going to go into like service-based business models, um, information-based business models. uh, uh, I already said service, physical product. So e-commerce, right? Like we're selling physical products online and then software. Um, There's, there's a lot of interesting subcategories here, Um, but to kick it off, let, let's start with a few questions here and, and let's go through like kind of pros and cons of each of these. And then like our take sure. on like what, where's, cause I think there's like a difference between what I would start and depending on the situation I was in, what I would start and like what's actually best and most fun to scale. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Sure. So as of today, you're involved in pretty much all of these businesses, except for operationally, you're not operationally involved in any software, but you are as an investor. In the current landscape, you know, over the last year, two years, three years, what has been like the best, uh, best operationally and mo- best scaling business model online? I, I still think, and you, you mentioned this a little bit, operationally, 
I wish I was in tech. I wish I was in some sort of service, but I would have been a non-technical founder, which means I would have to make sure I had an incredible CTO, which I know we'll get into the negatives of things in a second. But I think I still believe 2023-ish, 2024-2025, I would still put a lot of my money in service or info. Those are the two areas. Service meaning you're selling bookkeeping, you're selling CMO work, you're selling ads, Mm -hmm. you're selling some sort of management it's just so much easier to get up and running and start and turn a profit quicker than having to invest heavily in, let's say, yeah. tech development or product development. Yes. So let, let's start there. Let's talk about services. service. Upside, in your opinion, upside of, of running some kind of service model. So this would be, we're going to categorize agency under here. Um, we're okay. going to categorize you know, even like accounting services or, or things like yeah. that. And, and I will even go so far as to say something like constant creative. Um, that is a, it's a very productized service, right? Where it's like, Hey, we kind of give this same service. You guys have a few different levels, but, uh, you know, at its core, it's like, we give this same like bullet list of services, um, over over and over. It's not super highly customized per brand. It's more like, you know, like our structured agency is, is very highly customized per brand. Right. And that's reflected in the price point. Whereas in, in constant creative, it's not very high, highly customized per brand. You know, there's a few different levels and it's kind of the same way every time. And that's also reflected in the price point. Um, what is the upside of, of service business models, agency business models? I think they're first profit margin. I think that first one is like that you have to kind of start there where you can make the right profit margin. Second would be you're not limited to stateside and like employment. Like that was yeah. a big one that I realized if you're going to... D- be in person or if you're going to start to at least before i would say covid 2019 2020 when people started going hey you can get incredible work or workers for the the u.s dollars outside of the united states i think that's something that really lends itself to when you run a service business is you can find quality people that have great english or even don't even need to speak english and they can deliver the the product that is the service for you but i would say the speed at which you can get up and running that's the first one Second, the profit margin that you can always say, which I would say that have to be more important than the one I just mentioned. And lastly, everybody is a client. Everybody is a potential customer to you. So you're not kind of limited by the borders. Right. Um, yeah, I would say my, my biggest piece of advice usually to people who are like uh, trying to, and, and given we're, we're, we live in a little bit different world now, you know, than like the kind of online marketing guru world of like escape the nine to five. Right. Yeah. Um, make money online. Yeah. Make money online, get money while you sleep, all that stuff. Right. Um, I, the, the, the biggest piece of advice I usually give to people who I see getting caught up in that web, um, which I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad web. I was a consumer of those kinds of products at one time. And that's like, it was in, in, in a sense, life-changing. Now there are a lot of really shady players, you know, yeah. that, that, uh, you know, you, you should probably avoid. Um, but there, you know, there's nothing wrong with essentially wanting to have more financial freedom, time freedom, location freedom. Um, it, but usually my biggest like thing that I will tell people starting to get caught up in that is like offer a service, right? Yeah. Like do something for someone and have them pay you for it. One, cause they already kind of get that. If they have a job, they already kind of like, it, it like fits in their head already. Um, and, and two, because it's like the easiest way to just like, you know, next week you could be making money online or making uh, a side income, you know, or something like that. It's it's closest to being a side hustle as opposed to doing something like launching an e-commerce brand. 
Um, and it doesn't take any capital. It just takes time and skill set. And if you don't have the skill set, you can even offer, Hey, you like, I'm a rookie at this, you know, can you find some agency or something that, you know, will develop your skill set, you know, for you and oftentimes pay you. Uh, so that, that, that's usually what I, the advice I offer people is like, start with offering services in exchange for money. Um, (laughs) Which is, you know, it's an age old. <laughs> we can get it's a good it. way to begin. The, the it, oldest business model in the world, really. Uh, it, it's it's funny that we we started this without saying like, why don't we do affiliate marketing? Right, like right. you don't even need a service, but you just do it yourself. I and I do it. Yeah. I would never recommend. I don't know why. It might be a unique. This might be a hot take, but I would never recommend someone who's jump just jumping in to go affiliate marketing. I don't think <laughs> I don't think people would make it work. There's a person on this podcast right now who jumped in, tried to jump in with affiliate marketing. Um, and that was Casey. This is the exact advice I gave Casey early on is he was like trying to promote a ClickBank offer straight from Facebook, which I'm like, first of all, don't do that. You can get banned. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah hey, uh, I'll admit I, d- I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, it would have never yeah. been successful in any way, shape or form. But uh, I mean, hey, with the right circumstances, you never know. But like you, I think it comes back to like you need the skill set. I think probably for starting any kind right. of business online, really. Uh, but yeah, yeah if, if you don't have the skill set in any specific lane, I would not recommend jumping into affiliate marketing and promoting ClickBank offers. And, and yeah, and and I would actually, I would, I would categorize affiliate marketing. So there's this world of like publishing, right? Like this business model mm-hmm. of publishing that we'll get to in a second. And that is so encompassing, really, because publishing could mean like what we're doing right here with modern commerce, right? It could be creating media, we could be affiliate marketers, right? Um, it could be being like a paid media affiliate marketer where you're running Facebook ads to some affiliate product, you know, or it could be like creating your own info course. All of these things are considered publishing. Yeah. Um, so I would say like affiliate marketing is most nested under like you're selling information. You're, you're essentially, you're giving some info, you're, you're being a connector of consumers with products by way of an informational highway, right? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, is it a bad model to start with? Maybe, maybe not. But it, I, again, if it's like, Hey, I need to make money and, and I am like, you know, I'm looking to get, get out of the nine to five or gain some financial freedom. I usually say service is the place to start yeah. downside of service. I'll go, you want to go first here? You want me to go first downside of a oh, hey, downside of agency. Yeah. I think the, the loyalty, like I think clients or people work with you, they just don't, they, they can they started with you and then they stop responding. They can unplug and kind of dip as fast as possible. As much as we want to, as much as we want to admit contracts are super important to get done, man, the amount of times I've seen, I'm, I'm pushing almost 10 years, 10 years, 11 years on this. Yeah. The amount of times I've seen contracts just not honored or going like, yeah. Hey, yeah, I know I signed that, but I like, we're done. You know? And what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you going to get litigate really? You know? Yeah. Not over that 3000, 5000, 2000, like, no, no one's litigating. Now, don't get me wrong. We've we've had to chase after people that are like 30, 40, 50, 100 Gs right. that were owed, yeah. right? Which 2020, dude, 2020, that was a year where we were owed a lot, a lot of money and we had to kind of make some plays. But generally right. speaking, there's not real much loyalty that comes into it. Second, on terms of employees, and I'm, 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 I'm guilty of this one too. It's really easy for an employee to be like, cool, I learned a bunch of skills. Yep. I think I have a little bit of juice. I'm going to go do this myself. And that happens yeah. all the time. Yeah, that's exactly what you did, right? Um, Literally, and, yeah. And, and, in a sense, it's kind of a lot of people will do that. 
uh, I'm going to hit a couple other downside of, downsides of the service business model in general and the agency business model. Um, so first yeah. of all, we, you and I have both said this before. It's kind of like the, it's like a little bit of a, like, uh, uh, maybe we shouldn't say this publicly, but I always just do that because um, I'm bad at filtering myself. You're more or less selling, you're selling human capital, right? So sure. like your product is human skills, uh, knowledge and time. Right. Uh, and, and so you're, you're kind of like, you're selling not, you're not selling humans, but you're selling humans <laughs> resources. You're selling human yeah, resources. Right. Yeah. Uh, that is that, that, you know, as a product category, very difficult to scale, you know, um, well, it's expensive I, to scale. It's expensive to scale and it's difficult to scale in a reliable way. So, uh, it, it, like in, in so constant creative, right. Which is a productized service. Oh. Hey, we're going to, it's a very deliverable based for service, right? We're going to deliver this much, this many creatives, whatever, you know, it, it, it's more like what your value prop is, is you're saying to them, Hey, we're going to deliver deliverables. We're going to deliver something to you mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Uh, the, the, the very difficult thing about like a marketing agency, like structured is, that it's not like that, what you're supposed to deliver instead is results. Um, and, and getting into having a service where you, wherein you deliver results, that gets really hard to scale, right? Because once you have to start hiring 50 people, 100 people, 150 people, all capable of delivering results, like... Is that know, realistic? Is that's that not real? that easy to do. That's not that easy yeah. to do. Yeah. Dude, you've given me a great jumping out point, which is why how, did, how have we been able to grow? Two ways, right? through acquisition and through training. Yeah. Well, if the acquisition isn't where it needs to be, or if the training isn't where it needs to be, and you're starting to try to mesh those communities and mesh those, mesh those expectations and results, it gets, should get sticky sometimes too, for sure. Right. Especially, especially as the world of attribution came into it. And I'm not going to go down that path of like proving what it is that you're doing is actually happening. But mm-hmm. when you stick with the service model structure or with constant, Hey, we signed up for X things. I need to make sure I'm getting X things, which is yep. the product or like the, the creative strategy or it's the actual physical creative getting back. It's really easy to like judge, am I getting what I'm paying for? Right. And that's that justification back and forth. So difficult on the service side. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you deliver a service that's very results oriented, like specifically a marketing agency and specifically within marketing agency, like paid media, right? Something yes. where it's like, we're supposed to spend your money you know, and, and get an ROI. I, I've said this before is that like, I almost think of like the paid media agency. It's more of like a brokerage business model than it is like a service business model, right? Like on the email side, it's a little more of a service business model. Cause it's like you pay for yeah. deliverable. We give deliverable on constant yeah. creative. You pay for deliverable. We div- give deliverable on paid media. It's like you pay for result. We try and get you result. That's almost more of a brokerage, right? And and totally. which which have always been hard to scale. Like look at brokerages in other industries, real estate, all of that thing. They're, they're they're difficult. They're not easy to scale because inherently some people, some of your team members are going to be better at it than others. Correct. And uh, even if you train them, even if you try to get them all to a certain standard, and then what you said, those best team members, what do they do? They usually go somewhere else or they start on their own. Right. Um, so it it gets tough to scale. And that, that's, I think the biggest downside of service, um, that usually what that creates is like, there's this flywheel of scale in other industries, right? So if you sell physical products, if you sell software, 
the more customers you get and the bigger you get, probably the better your product will get, right? Because you're getting feedback and you're making these product improvements over time. The opposite happens with like, especially results-based service where it's like the more you scale and the bigger you get, the more kind of watered down it gets and the more we have to be like, hey, we need a core set of processes that we can always go back to, you know, and maybe it won't work for every brand every time, you know, and maybe like back in the day we could with four or five of us do these like really customized, you know, uh, results-based, you know, initiatives for brands. And we can't do that as much anymore because we can't trust every single of these hundred people, every single person to be really good at it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's really the downside of like agency and service. I would say if like, when I give people the advice, right, like start offering something for money, I say two things, one at scale, if you like doing the thing, right? Like if you like doing the service, if you like delivering the service, if you build a service-based business, that is not what you're going to be doing at scale. Yeah. I'm a victim of this. Yeah. If Nick Shackelford likes buying paid media, guess what you're not going to be doing if you build a big paid media agency? Any paid media. (laughs) Yeah. None of it. Right. Um, So that's number one. And number two is uh, look for a path to a more productized service where it's more deliverables focused than results focused um, over time. That's like kind of the, yeah. Which is though, dude, those things speak so heavily to me, especially and I think, I, met, I don't know if I mentioned you this year or last year, but this was the first Q4 where like I wasn't responsible for Anything. some relationship, some account, something. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a little bit beside myself because I was going like, so I don't have to answer anything. I don't have to give feedback. I don't have to direct. I don't have to do anything. And I was sort of like, what is my worth? What is my value? And I went through this yeah. thing. I went through this like searching process of this. And I still think about this today, even with as Jake manages and runs a lot of the shop the culture is a lot different from where it is and i know you and i have talked about this many times whether it's good or bad it's just different i think that's an acknowledgement but when you have a team especially in a service-based business a team of five to fifteen that are all like you know where they're at you know what they're doing you know what the mission you know what the goal is something there's something very special about that i think people get kind of caught up and i look i'm I'm at a different vantage point now like the mountain that i'm currently sitting upon is 150 170 ish people Right? right. A lot of things happening. And I remember that mountain of standing on that five to 10, 15 person mountain. And I'm like, dude, this is fun, man. This is, this this is, is so fun. Unique. So fun. And I, you have to think about that in service based businesses, yeah. especially on constant. I can't deliver no matter how good I want to be. I'm not delivering creative yet. I can mm-hmm. be in there and strategize, but that's a product that you as the founder or you as the skilled initial starter, let's just say that sentence, you won't be doing it. You just have to make sure your role inside that that beast that you're about to create is important or it provides you value. Yeah, I, I would, I'm going to ask you one more question or we move on from agency in a second. Sure. <clears throat> or I'm going to say one more thing. I've, I've talked to so many agency people specifically since uh, I like we parted ways, right? And this is what you were just saying. Like part of the reason I wasn't really a scheme fit anymore at Structured, I think was just because it's going a different direction, right? Like I'm a great person to probably stand on top of a five to 15 person team and be like, how do I develop each of these people into a great broker of traffic? Right. Um, I'm not a great person to stand on top of a, a 50 person team where that's not my job to do anymore, you know? Um, and 
uh, one of the things that I tell a lot of people, so since I've left Structured, so many agency owners that were at the level that Structured was at when I came in have wanted nice. to talk to me and be like, oh, what do we do? How do we grow and stuff? And like the biggest conversation I always have with them is like, be careful what you wish for. Like, are you sure you want to grow? Because right now you personally are making great money. You probably made better money when Structured had five to 15 paid team members oh, than you yeah. do now. You made personally way better money, you know? And and life, uh, the life you lived was much less stressful. Like yes. the, the actual quality of who you are and the, the quality of your life was way different. So that's, I was, that's an interesting update because I was very curious on, because as soon as you hit free market, like those skills and the things that you saw and, and at the growth and the level you had, very yeah. valuable to agencies that are wanting to ask themselves that question. That's a very interesting yeah. analogy. Well, they're almost always asking, how do we grow? Agencies are almost always asking, how do we grow more? How do we get bigger? And like the first question I have for him is like, whoa, hold on a second. Are you, are sure, you sure you want to? What, what, what is it? Why do you want to get bigger? Right? Because uh, they always think it it's probably, more money too. Yeah. It probably doesn't mean what you think it means. It probably means less money for you, your personal income. And it means more stress. And it means like a lot of things. It means that the results, your hit rate of delivering insanely good results for clients goes down. It just does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, because you get less of that, like, elite squad on every on every account type of effect so um i've yeah it's always it's almost always like they'll say some things and i can almost always tell when it's like oh you have i'm gonna guess you have three to four team members right now and you have about 12 clients and they're like yeah and i'm like maybe you just want to stay there that's like the most fun time like um we could do a whole do we should do a whole talk on this one this is <laughs> yeah great. you make the most money doing that too um but yeah I'm, but let you me, guys let me, the grass is always greener on it the is. other side of that fence, isn't it? It is. Well, okay. So Shaq went through a period of this. Him and him and Jake decided to grow bigger. So here's my last question to you before we move on from the agency business model. <clears throat> if you could do it over with structured and build structured over, like rebuild it, uh, take it back. Let's rewind it back to when you had like five or less team members. I think I was early. I was definitely early on on the paid side. So take it back to like right when I was starting um, or maybe even before. How, would you change how you've built structured? And if so, how? Yeah, I would. So I think if, so say before, before it was right as we acquired, right as we like acquired Boundless on the email side and the email side was building almost adjacent to what we were building on the paid side. Cause there was no, at that time there was no overlap. There was no relationship needed until we did a full service plan. Mm -hmm. I would have immediately diversified into lead flow, the type of leads coming in because everything came in off of personal brand. Everything came in off of a, 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 an expectation of Facebook experience specifically, which meant mm -hmm. everybody that we were coming in had an expectation of what was shown or what was being seen. So we would have diversified kind of at least on kind of how mute six grew initially. They were good at all things digital. We could do yeah. this. We could do this. We could do this. And so they yeah. had a very nice pot to play from because nothing was one thing core expectation. Something to be said with us niching down and growing to the size that we did was also very important. It helped. Yeah. Second, we would immediately start offering longer term packages. We stuck with this three month, this six month. We never, ever did any yearly packages and we never even tried to optimize for it because we kind of took what we had at the time because all we cared about was revenue in the door and speed, right? Yeah. 
that was something unique I would do differently. And then lastly, I would have built, I probably would have built email rather than acquire email. Mm, yeah, I like that. Uh, and, and honestly, that would have been like an acquisition of like an EGM instead of boundless would allow, would have allowed for us to build email. You know what Correct. I mean? Because you just had a few key team members like Casey who could have built that department. Well, this, this is the thing is like, and you and I have talked about this so many times when, when I tapped out of the CEO role was we were right at like 60, 70, right? Like right at this point where I'm like, Jake and I were sitting there like, he's like, dude, you don't, this is not lighting you up. This is, you, we need to like really formalize this. We're going to another tier. And I was like, I'm not that guy. I'm not the one to go. Well, at that time, and you and I have talked about it so many uniquely, we talked about this so many times when you start, when you allow those people like yourself or even at Casey at the time where you guys were building these areas, give you guys a little bit of runway to be like, Hey, like, this is what we have to get built in this time frame. Let's go see what we can do. Cause we still lean up. We still have the cash to do it so we could take more risks. As we started to get thicker, we couldn't take as much risks and we had to shorten the time of getting the results. Like immediately, at least on the, on the revenue side, cause we were in such a yeah. hole. And so when you sat there, like the smaller you are, and this is what happened with Jordan Menard, which we'll talk about another time, get to a point where you're like, do we pull back? and allow our profits to kind of catch up or do we accelerate forward and let the profits eventually come? We chose, we obviously know which one we chose, which is right. the yep. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, if I had to do it all over again, have your core people that are invested in who that team is, who that, who the initial brand and what the vision is, trust in them to go build these new areas that you need to get done, give them appropriate time frame, and then go back and evaluate, should they be doing this or can they get it close enough? And then you kind of hire in that person to take it. And then pull back your free safeties. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, one other big point that you'd said that I'll reword <clears throat> into something really concise is like uh, one of the biggest dangers of the agency business model that structured has fell, fallen victim to, and probably every agency that's grown to any size structured level or bigger has fallen victim to is uh, out hiring your ability to bring in business. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it is such a difficult balance and it was something that like, I've always been of the mindset that like, I'm, I'm always going to err on the side of like under hiring my ability to bring in business. Um, but yeah, if you're going to build and scale a big service business model and agency, a big thing you need to be thinking about is what is like in, in a very formal way, what is our pipeline? How, how do, how does business come to us? You know? Um, and, and how can we make some level of projection, which we didn't yeah. do until we got to a hundred employees, you know? Yeah. Um, which is like something we should have been building all the way through, like on all the way through the, the sad thing is on, on constant, we have this, we've had yep. this because you're like, yeah. we can only hire three designers, but we onboarded five. Cool. Go, yeah. go. Yeah. So it was, it's interesting. All right. Let's move, let, let's move through this a little bit. Um, so let, let's move to uh, the, I don't know, we talked a lot about structured here. Let's move into the other business model that you are at the head of. And I think that a lot of people get into when they first start. Uh, and that is info, right? So selling, creating and selling a course is usually people's most common entry point. Um, yeah. But I will also, I will also include things like community. So Geek, Geek Hub would be a great example of like, there is not a course per se, but there's this community with this drip fed content and in this community of people, um, yeah. almost all information, almost all info is some 
combination of, of, of like course or learning material and community, but all of it is info. The reason that you want access to the community is for the information that they have. Right. Um, or, or the valuable connection that they can give you. Um, you're in a unique situation here where you have one high ticket course through founder and you have geek hub, which is more of a drip fed. So talk to me about upsides of, of info. So I have, I have, I believe I've touched every area of info course, live events, recorded events, online events, community, and then organic creation, which is what we're all doing. Right. right. I think I've touched every single element of this. And I, I believe, I believe there's different ways of consumption, just like people watch YouTube videos or people listen to podcasts or people yeah. read articles. So there's no, and, and for the longest time, I think before I made my first course and I told the founder crew when I did it, I think it was 2020 at this point, 20, yeah, it was 2020. And funny, cause I got a message the other day and he's like, Hey, I'm taking your course right now. And thank you for making it so digestible. I was like, I don't really know how to take that, but I think he <laughs> said that kindly. Um, <laughs> so digestible. He, so digestible. I was like, oh, I appreciate that. Of all the ways um, to describe it. That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that, but at least you enjoy the bro. Um, yeah. the, the, the info area, it's so important because it's either I'm going to do this by myself. You're going to do this with me, or you're going to do it for me. Those three areas are, for, are any option for anybody in this world at any time, not just in online. You can have okay. all three of those, right? So when I think about if I created something that I'm proud of, that I stand behind, I believe in, and that exists, and this is why I didn't own it because I didn't know how to maintain it. I didn't know how to do that community. And yeah. I had to learn on that. So I created with a team that's, that, that's what they do. Well, that has allowed many things that come from it, whether you're thinking about creating or whether you should, or whether you already have something that's created, it gives someone an access point or an entryway into who you are and what your world is all about, which is, I think, what I do. I do very well. It's like, here's a snippet of Shaq and here's all the things that Shaq is involved in. Take your choice of what you want to be involved in. How much do you want to opt in for? And so with Geek Hub, what we, what we wanted to do, it's actually very, very straightforward. We were nervous about what was going to happen in, in 2023 during a recession. Um, we are we weren't confident in how much sales that we can drive for the events in person and for sponsorships because we didn't know what costs were going to be. So we said, look, we need to we need to bring something online so we get some sort of reoccurring revenue. Mm-hmm. Well, we built this for five years, six years, and we're like, well, people want this. Thankfully, we have 300 plus people inside, and and it's a it's a good ongoing yeah. conversation. But it was very different than what I anticipated. Because at first, what we thought we're going to do daily content, people didn't like that. People didn't want it. Yeah. Then we're like, we're only going to talk about marketing stuff. Okay. Well, people want to like connect. People want to like talk about their life. People want to talk about legal. People want to talk about hiring. And then we're like, oh, we're going to get all brands. Brand brand founders don't really care about marketing as much as we care about marketing or growth or tactics or any of this email stuff. So it's actually all marketers. And so at this time of us rising into it, then we get information of ad leaks sold. The largest marketing online community of advertisers is no longer pushing the, the the gas for them to grow. And so we're getting a lot of people spilling over. So there's this weird headwinds of community because when you sell a course, you want someone to be there to answer your questions. Or right. if you have a community of high level execution, which is kind of what Andrew Foxwell has done really well, our e-commerce field team has done really well. You have high level people. You don't necessarily always need to go to someplace unless you have a specific question. Well, a lot of that's done in the DMs. It's not done in the public. It's done in like, hey, I saw you share about XYZ. Can you answer the specific yeah. question? Which is now what I'm starting to notice with our community. 
Yeah. Um, it's really hard to nail down like what is info? What is the info business model? Um, and, and, uh, I would say upsides here, right. I'll talk pure business, right? Like upsides are you, you have little, literally no cogs, right? Like the the slack, Slack. we we chose, we chose a very expensive service slack. Yeah. So in geek hub, you have the cogs of slack. Um, but like to sell a course, uh, you don't have uh, so so yes yeah. that's that is cogs Co- slack is cogs because it literally costs you money every time you add somebody um if, if you sell a course like you know uh you have some kind of software cost, costs. it's yeah. it's yeah it's not variable right so the more people you add to it it doesn't cost you more now there might be levels or whatever um but but like it's not it's not really a variable cost of goods sold it's uh operating cost it's an operating expense so that's the upside uh, the other upside is it's like, yeah, you just, you know, distill your knowledge into something, right. Or distill your ability to bring people together into something, um, and, and sell it. Right. So yeah. like, I think, um, and, and here's where I'm sitting on this. Uh, currently I'm the, I'm the acting CMO of Agexa, which is a, uh, what do we call ourselves? A venture studio. Uh, there's, there's different, like, I was like, is it an aggregator? Which I guess an aggregator is something different than a venture studio. These are things I'm learning. Um, right. Who knew? <laughs> but but the the model being essentially that we partner with experts and we are partnered on Geek Hub. We partner with experts, subject matter experts, uh, to create an info product, um, right? Whether it's a course or community or whatever. For the most part, it's courses. Um, and, and we typically own a minority, right? So we help them launch it, get off the ground. You know, we just have a lot of experience in bringing info products to market. So, yeah, I mean, the upside is like, you know, it's just a matter of like taking the knowledge that you have or the community that you have or whatever it is that you have and putting it, packaging it into the sellable form. I think that's the upside. And the upside, the other upside is that I will say is from a marketing perspective and from a like true real life perspective, it's actually legitimately very impactful. And this is not untrue of the service business model too, right? Like at structured, we have, we've changed people's lives for sure. Right. Like some of the brand owners that have worked with us at structured, we've changed their lives. Same with explosive growth before structured. Um, We did, you know, we did some life changing work for those people. Right. Um, But info is life changing for it's like scaling life-changing for people right like if you sell somebody a course on investing right and um you do that a hundred thousand times and you know maybe only ten thousand or twenty thousand of those people consume it but it's like very life-changing for them that's like way more people's lives that you're going to be able to change than you ever will doing an agency right um so you can scale that life-changing element and you can talk about that in your marketing right like you can hit it more on the head with with this is something we'll get to in e-commerce but it's like you know, how life-changing is Casey's black hat that he's wearing. It's not that life-changing, right? Like we can't really put it in the marketing like, hey, like you don't, you don't have a black hat in your life. Like you, you know, you're just not doing it right. Like, but you can when you're talking about real estate investing, you know, Um, because like people are like, it's a, it's a deeper need that they have. So those are the upsides of info is that you can like really talk about things that are like, on people's mind and bugging them and important to them. And, and you can do it to consumers, not just to other businesses, um, which is amazing. Uh, before I get into downsides, I'm interested in what you think of downsides for info. Why, wh- why isn't this the model that you would initially recommend to people? I think you have to actually have something worth, I don't think it's as a downside, but it's more of a prerequisite. 
you actually have something, you need to have something worth sharing or yeah. actually truly quality of value. Because a lot of people get in this space being like, I don't really need to know anything. I'm gonna be able to teach someone to do this specific thing. And like, are you really an expert? Like, because you have yeah. access to camera or a mic or a computer or YouTube, are you truly an expert? Should you be sharing this? <laughs> are you qualified to be sharing this information? And that that's like the first prerequisite. Now, I don't think that's a downside. I think it could be a downside to unexpecting consumers of a product like this when you have somebody in a guru space preaching, hey, I know what I'm doing. Here's my examples, whether they're truthful or not truthful. We all know people like this. They probably shouldn't be they probably shouldn't be screaming or, or offering or selling something. That's a fear. That's a prerequisite that I'm like nervous about. Right. We want names. This no. is yeah. <laughs> this is where info gets a bad rap right is like there's just so many people who have no expertise yeah. teaching as if they do right and so this is where like oh info gurus and like you know a second ago i was saying like it can be legitimately life-changing i think so many people are like skeptical of that at all yeah but i will tell you like my life has changed because i've consumed info products right yours has as well I, dude, I bought today, I literally bought an info product today before we jumped on this call. I bought LinkedIn growth right. because guess what? I'm interested in LinkedIn growth. Like I, where else right. are you going to go find that education? Yeah. I may go SlideShare or some of these other places, but to me, like a, a fear of this is also for the creator of content like this. If in our space, right. Say, say I'm an agency owner. It makes sense for me to talk about something around agency growth or at the time when I was running paid media growth, right? Which is why when I have to do my founder calls, who do I have to have on the calls with me? A person that's in the, yeah. you, a person that's in the weeds that's running. Cause I'm not going to sit there and pretend like I've done some of this stuff. Or when, if you are going to do that, you need to be very clear and very honest. Like, Hey, I'm not the one doing this, but I'm the one that's able to like bring out the information and disseminate for you guys to understand. Right. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people don't have the, I, I don't want to say ego. A lot of people don't have the ability to be like, Hey, this wasn't me, but this is the team that I own. Here's the information. Yeah. That's something that I think more people need to start doing. I'm, I've, I've actually had to do this or you change your type of content. Secondly, I think people believe that you're selling out the whole phrase. Those who can't do teach are those who like profit off of this because they no longer can do it anymore. I think that's, yeah. I think that's unfortunate. I think people don't understand the type of effort and timing and, and work put into building a step-by-step -step thing that actually can produce results. And there's a skill, skill to that. Yeah. Uh, I will, I'll hit on a couple business side, like <clears throat> purely economic based downsides of the info business. Right. So there's a few delivering mechanisms here. There is some kind of like course that you're going to charge whatever amount of money for usually a lot. Um, whatever thousand, 2000, 10,000, whatever. Um, and it, it's usually a combination of course and community, right? Just to be clear, I don't know what your founder course is. Uh, like yeah, course and community. Yeah, right. It, it is course and community. I don't know what the price is, but it's uh, it's some kind of upfront high ticket. 2700 Okay. So it's kind of some kind of upfront high ticket price. Or there is more of like a drip thread membership model that's like ad leaks or geek, uh, geek hub, still called geek hub. Uh, or there's like a freemium model right? Or there's like a free with advertising model, right? Like, so that's our podcast. It's all free, um, but it's with advertising. How do you grow at each of those levels, right? Like if you're putting out free content and the only way you're monetizing is with advertising, how do you grow? 
How do you get your initial hundred viewers, hundred subscribers, thousand subscribers, ten thousand subscribers? Here's where here's where I think Not I, I have a different. No, but it could be. Here's how I think. Here's how I view things. Because I have a podcast launching this year that's only agency. It's called the Agency Algorithm. It's mm -hmm. only Nick interviewing agencies. That's and John, you know, you know me very well. That's not the audience I try to speak to. I don't try to speak mm -hmm. to agency owners. I have an interest, or they have interest in what I've done because of what I've built. But it's yep. not something that I'm like. Hey, I can't wait to create content for it. Until this year, when I sat down, and I was like, where. Where do I have true value, especially as I'm not necessarily backing things and optimizing and running it, but I still love teaching and educating or yeah. talking about it is the agency space. So if you right. if you think about if you think about the overall growth of this and what and why this is relevant to you is when you are only monetizing your your content channel, your newsletter, your podcast, your YouTube channel, your to you can even go as far as your reels, anything of distribution. People take that sponsorship money, that 2000 that 3000 that 5000 whatever that check they get, and they're like, holy fuck, I can get more of this. No, you take that investment, you put it straight into your growth yep. of advertising. That's that's your yes. ad budget. You don't touch that in your pocket. Everything you make goes exactly into your growth. And you say, guess what? That first year I'm doing this for free because I need to make sure I can do it. That's yes. where you get your growth. There's a chicken egg situation though. Right. Like where does your initial growth come from that gets you that advertising budget? So so within info, a lot of times the way things get launched is with a high ticket course. Why? Because we can run paid ads to it. Right. right. You know, we you don't have to have any kind of following at all to run paid ads <clears throat> to a, whatever sales funnel for a high ticket course. Um, but it's harder to like you're gonna have to have some capital, right? Because you're gonna have to spend some money on ads before you ever make a sale. Uh, and especially if it's high ticket, you're probably gonna have to spend a fair amount of money on ads and not a like crazy amount. I mean, a Gex's initial investment is usually around 30 grand though, um, before we decide if a project is viable or not, right? Now, can you spend no money on ads and grow a newsletter or grow a podcast or even grow, um, you know, some kind of drip fed thing like Geek Hub? Yes, it's just gonna happen slowly, right? And then as you get sponsors as you get that revenue then it's going to get reinvested and it starts to get faster but it doesn't happen fast like agency can kind of happen faster right e-commerce can kind of happen faster anything that's ads driven or like you know you only need a few clients to get make it really big um will typically happen faster so that that i would say is the only downside of info is that it either takes capital or it takes time and lots of consistency correct but then when did when if more of a flywheel on that than anything else, I believe, especially because like you mentioned, possibly. you can share those results. Whereas like, if you go into the product side, if you're going to build a brand online, which is probably the last remaining topic we could chat on is unless you're creating something that's really actually truly impactful, skincare, weight loss, uh, yep. incredible types of clothing, whatever, whatever that is that actually changes the day-to-day -day function of someone. There's nothing necessarily notable. I would say food. If you feel better by consuming vitamin supplements, right? Unless you actually feel something, it's really difficult to like articulate what is going to happen in the future or get yeah. people to continue to get it or buy it. Get on. I and and there's a reason that the the business that you know we myself Casey are building this year is a media company, and it's because <clears throat> I think it flywheels and scales incredibly well, albeit hard to gain initial traction, right? So. If you're looking to free yourself from the nine to five type of thing, offer somebody a service for money. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're looking to build something that scales really well, I I think information publishing, you know, media, whatever you want to call it, is is an incredible business model. 
let's move into physical product e-commerce, something you and I have both have had a lot, lot of experience with. Um, myself on both of us on agency side, working with brands that are growing, helping founders through like their growing pains. Now I'm internal on a couple of brands as a kind of a fractional CMO, which is very interesting. It's like so different. There's so many things you think about internally that I'm like, man, this is the crap I would have never had to think about. <laughs> like, really? when I was the ages. Well, yeah, just like little project, like what's the status on this project to, you know, get these like uh, inserts put into our packaging. Like that, you know, when we deliver thing, we're like putting inserts into the packaging. I'm like, I don't care, you know, like, yeah, which is like, I, mean, I don't know what it, I don't know. Care. I don't know. And I don't care, but you're supposed to care when you're internal. Right. Um, so yeah, there's like, it, it, anyway, that's like a side, that's an aside, but, but yeah, let's talk about that physical product, uh, building a physical brand, physical product brand upsides in your mind. I think the upside is none. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 I was. I, it, it, I'm actually struggling. I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm struggling on the upside of it. It is. I think the upside is to be involved in someone's routine. I guess the upside, um, like upside, best case scenario is that that person, those group of people, cannot live without that product. For instance, like I'm fasting. I cannot live without my electrolyte packets. My in initial packets. That is now going to always forever be a part of my life, whether it's Element, whether it's, shoot, like whatever the ones I buy on Amazon, I will always consume electric packing because I'm like, I'm not, I know I'm not getting that in my, in my normal system. But there's not too many things I go throughout my day other than my iPhone or my Mac or my mic or my headphones that I really need every single day that impacts or that's a part of my day-to-day -day routine. And for brands mm -hmm. that can get to that like, hey, I've cracked his routine or her routine, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't see the upside, bro. It's expensive. Yeah. Uh, I, I've always said, you know, um, monster could pay any amount of money to acquire me. Right. Like the LTV that monster has on me is just insane. As Casey does. We, we do a lot of free monster product placement on our podcast. I bet. I bet. <laughs> um, only, but, only white monster. All right. Yeah. What? Yeah. Come on. What do you think? This is amateur hour. Uh, no. So, so yeah, I mean, look, there are certain physical products that they're not life-changing in the same way info is right. Where it's like, you know, man, it's, it's crazy being on the inside of Gex and seeing like some of the, their real estate wholesaling investing courses where like people are, they're like legit. It's so life-changing, right? Like they were like construction, you know, they were some, you know, a plumber, blue collar worker, whatever. I mean, I'm not, not that I'm like bashing any of that, oh, but it's no. like now they make 50, 60, $70,000 a month, you know, um, doing, doing real estate wholesaling. They'll make a million dollars a year doing, and there was like a pretty high success, like a 30% success rate of people who get ROI on their investment in this $10,000 course in community. Right. And I, like, that's incredibly life-changing. How life-changing is monster to me? Um, it's like a micro life change, right? But like over time, it's part of my routine. So it's a different kind of life changing, right? Like you're just getting in on somebody's routine. Um, if I were to say an upside of physical product, I would say there are a lot of downsides. So we're going to have a long conversation about downsides. Um, typically speaking, there are two that I can think of in terms of like economics. Number one, of the business models we're talking about, info, uh, service, and, and SaaS and physical products, it's probably the most scalable. Like physical products probably have <clears throat> the most like mass appeal. Everybody wears clothes. You know what I mean? Um, so if you sell clothes, your market, 
your total addressable market in a sense is everybody. Now, if you try and market that way, that's not great, but like it, it, they have the largest total addressable markets. Um, and the number two that I've seen in this business, especially compared to agency, the revenue to headcount is <laughs> it's nice, right? Like physical product brands will be at 50 million in revenue and have like 10 people or less, right? Or 20 people or less. How many people would you need a structure to do 50 million in revenue? You know, a lot. No, and, it, and and not only that, especially as we, we work with the brands day-to-day basis, so we know more downsides because oftentimes we're having to speak from a percent, from a position of we might not have a vantage point of them internally going like, guys, I don't have a lot of product or that inventory is not coming in yet or sorry, that SKU is not coming back for X. But that one SKU drove X over revenue. Like there's so, dude, I don't even know where to begin on this stuff. I'll say, for one, we have one brand that we worked on for a very long time that yeah. they're solely dependent on the drops and new SKUs that they have. If yeah. they, which means if they don't have a backlog of drops, is the revenue going to hit the goals that they set out for them that we, a, we are trying to execute upon? No, no, it won't. Uh, the upside is, you know, you can create like systems processes that will make that it, it becomes more operational, right? Where it's like, if you can nail the ops, then uh things you know tend to work a little bit better now there are still events that you can't control you know when everybody goes into pandemic you that's <laughs> you can't control that uh chinese new year you can't control that now you get better at dealing with it but uh yeah like yeah. war in ukraine of, war, war yeah. ukraine affecting gas right. overall can't, no no you can't control that and and you're the first to go in a down economy right because you're the least essential uh you, you know so it's it, yeah there there are plenty of downsides the only other upside i would say to physical product is and this is just a minor upside it's the easiest to explain to people what you do like you ever have people ask you what you do and you're like i sell stuff online like that's what i say yeah. you know like when normal yeah. civilians ask me what i do when you sell physical products you can at least say yeah like i sell these wallets you know or whatever um so that's nice but yeah downsides yeah, and you were already trying to get into it downsides to physical product companies where do i begin uh, it, uh inventory warehousing 3pls uh finding in-house talent that want to stick with just one brand over a long period of time without having to give them an upside in it product iteration partnerships yeah. uh content aggregation content creation like there's like, you just go down the bucket of this. It's the hardest space. And I got exposed to this, especially after having an event around lead generation. Man, these guys are, are incredible what they're able to do. They wouldn't even try to do e-commerce. We're over here trying to like run up an ice stream. Right. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, uh, the a lot of times it's easy to communicate the value proposition of a, of a physical product. Like here, here it is. And like, you can look at it and kind of get it, right? So that's nice from a marketing perspective to be able to be like, check out this phone case. If you like it, buy it. Um, it's easier as a marketer than being like, let me tell you why you should get into real estate wholesaling. Right. Yes. Or let me like that. That's just easier to do. Um, but yeah, uh, with physical products comes all the physical things. Um, I'm going to say it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It is, makes it very hard. Um, it makes it really, really hard. If you can figure it out and nail it, it does give you a little bit of a moat, right? Like there's some built-in moats if you can get past certain levels of scale. But I would, I mean, there was a time where everybody getting into online marketing and trying to free themselves of the nine to five was doing drop shipping and launching e-commerce brands. And I would just, it's like kind of the last thing I would recommend somebody get into at this point. 
unless they have capital and like a really good already like, hey, we have like a patented product or something like that. Totally. And I think you're, unless you have a clear way of advertising it or a partnership, there's no way that this is going to grow at the speed at which you anticipate it to grow or expect it to grow. No. And I guess it's, I guess when you look at all of them, they're all difficult. They're all not going to be easy to start. But if I were to choose the one that I would know for a fact that wouldn't start first, it'd definitely be a physical book. Knowing that I've already done it once and I don't think I could ever do that again. Well, let's talk, let's, let's unpack that for a minute, right? Because you have, I think a lot of people like see this fidget spinner thing as like a big claim to fame for you. And it is, it certainly is because it is. I think just because of the impact you had on like the freaking country for a second, you know what I mean? Like they were everywhere, but let's talk about like what actually happened for you in your life there, right? Like you guys, yeah. you know, found this thing that was kind of viral and people seemed to like. And then what, right? Like take it from there. Totally. This was, this was the first time I was able to go back. This is, this is right when I quit playing professional soccer. Right. So I didn't know who I was or what I, my value was soccer. So I didn't have anything. And then I went to go do a real work, which was, I was a, a junior media buyer for Apple under the Omnicom agency umbrella. So I was instantly in the agency work. And then Jake, my partner goes, dude, this thing is working. I was like, cool, I know how to run Facebook ads because I've been running reach and frequency campaigns for Apple for these years. <laughs> so like, let me line it up, dude, I got this, which is actually which is actually more helpful than I thought at the time because a lot of people weren't running Facebook, but the right. buttons were so easy. The, the, cleanly, the clearness of how you need to run the campaigns, the aggressiveness was something that we didn't have, right? It was so pretty primitive, right? 2017, 2018. Yeah. And so as soon as what, what it did for me in my life was it proved out, it told me that Nick, you need to be a, a online marketer. You need right. to go into this, you need to do whatever this is. And so when Jake moved to LA from Missouri, I stayed there. And what, what we found out really clearly was at the time when I, when I lost all my love for, or, or any of the upside or revenue that I was ever going to make was when we brought in somebody um, that I won't mention, but he was like, I, I know what to do with this. I need to go get investment and build a smart connected fidget spinner, which was not something we never needed to do <laughs> ever. Jake and I, Jake and I's initial goal before that happened was we need to go into metal fidget spinners. Cause that's more of a collector's piece, which even to this day, I have a whole drawer of metal fidget spinners. Cause it's still a real thing. Like metal yeah. fidget toys. That's a, that's a real thing that adults have that had yeah. legs that could go, you could build that. I don't know. I don't know to the scale or size, but but it drew, it allowed me. It it actually gave me my new worth in this world, which we've been living yeah. in for quite a while. And it allowed me to realize, hey, I'm never going to get out of this space, and I'm going to continue to make my money in this space, which I, I owe everything to that that learning of that yeah. product. And it, here we are. But the down but the downside of what it did for you was well, it skewed my perspective on what is actually possible. For, yeah. for brand new companies, brand new brands, it, it, it made, it actually perverted my view on what money was because I came from nothing, saw all this and I'm going like, oh my God, like it's so easy. I can, I, it's so easy to, I can yeah. do this over again, which it wasn't like, there was a couple big hits we had, but I never at the size that I did not that way. No. And, and, and it also made you like, you know, for a very long time, you were very product focused when you would uh, when you'd assess brands and like really assessing for virality, even when I started working for you. Good point. Right. Good point. And I was like, I, we were I only need to assess for different things. Yeah. You only assess for acquisition. I only accept, I only, you're right. Thank you for calling. I totally forgot about this. I only was, I would only judge on like how you, how, 
how quickly could I sell this on first purchase or how cheaply can I acquire a customer, which is not the right approach. But when it did give me, when it lined me up with Snow, when it lined me up with Dip, when it lined me up with Pup Socks, when it lined me up with Posh, like all of my hits and home runs, they had the attributes that I recognized. And right. it's funny because we I just lost out on a business that I that I conveyed to them. I was like, look, I know how to do this. I've seen this shit before. It's called the Woobles. Have you heard seen this before? Uh-uh. It was okay. I didn't get the business, so I'm I'm more than happy to talk about it. It is it teaches you how to crochet and you make these cute tiny little uh crochet animals or 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 T-Rexes or something that's very adorable. Yeah. Yeah, what it really is, it's an online education platform to where you log in, you crochet where you watch content online. So yeah. they're the, too brilliant. This guy's like a VC quant dude. And he, the, the missus was like a, a Stanford grad, some sort of tech person. And they both were like, yeah, we're building this toy company, but it's also like an educational business on the back end. And I'm like, this is brilliant. And like, yeah, it's going viral. And I told him, I was like, look, I've done this before for many products. Give me a crack. And our pricing was too high. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll, and I, I'll call it one more thing about uh, like fidgetly, which was the brand that you launched all said and done. How many fidget spinners did you sell ballpark it for me? Hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands. All said Five, and done. I would say, I would say 500 plus all said and done. How much money did you take away from that? Maybe, maybe 2 million profit in your pocket in our pot. No, definitely not too many. I think in the bank account, what we had was 2 million when we got it up profit to Nick's pocket and Jake's pocket. Yeah. Probably like 15,000, 20,000. So <laughs> right. little, you went through all so the work of selling 500,000 fidget spinners because, because what happened? Well, yeah, your product broke down, your supplier dipped on you, your three PLs didn't work. Like all of those logistical things like bite you. You know, like that's the, the bigger, the, the better question is like, how many did you donate to the boys and girls club? Of LA? <laughs> right. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds right. Of Cause thousands. you're like, we got to get rid of these. Yeah. And it, yeah. and that was that $15,000 all said and done like profit in Nick's pocket. That's with the best buy buyout. That's with the best buy buy. You guys had to do the best buy buyout. You were telling me before, and maybe I'm interpreted this. You guys basically had to do oh. the best buy buyout to dig out of the hole you were in because you had all of these returns from like defective product and stuff like that, that it's like, you just didn't know when you were getting into it, that this was going to be a problem. And we didn't anticipate like lead being like, we should have, but I don't know. I've never done this before. Like the type of products you're using, the bearings that you're using, the, the ability for the plastic to be like not spinning. Like there was just like things that if I was a product person, if I was a product guy, I'd be like, yo, this is something we need to fix, but we were marketers. We didn't, we right. didn't even think about this stuff. Right. Yes. Uh, so anyway, we don't, we don't need to go into the downsides of physical products anymore. we got a couple minutes less left. Let's talk SaaS yeah. and let's, let's put a little asterisk right at the beginning of this conversation and say, neither you or I have ever operated a SaaS business or a, or even been like the head of marketing for a SaaS business. Um, we, we know a lot of founders in this space. We know a lot of marketers in this space. We use a lot of these tools and we are investors in them. Um, but yes, upsides and SaaS. Upsides and SaaS is it's a scalable product. Um, the oftentimes it is the support doesn't have to scale as fast as the product has to scale. So your human, human to like your internal human to external human usage does not have to go on the human capital side, like a service business. Right. Um, your margins are so healthy. Now I will caveat this, like for the brands or the people that I'm invested in, I'll use Triple Whale for an example, because we both know them very well. 
that if they're heavily invested in the dev side, but those those individuals are very expensive. So I don't yeah. know how much profit comes in with the investment of tech and dev. Um, that, that was, those are the core downsides that stick home. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say that it's, uh, the, the biggest, uh, upside I would say of SaaS is the economy of scale. Um, so once you get to black, right? Like once you get to profit, each individual user is like exponential, exponenting, exponating, making your profit exponentially more, not just a little bit more. Um, because yeah, you don't have to add like one internal body for every 10 customers, right? Like it gets yeah. less and less the number of internal bodies that you have to add. Plus typically the stickiness in SaaS is really good, right? Like, especially if your if your product is good, you know, it becomes an integral part of, um, people's or businesses lives. And so the stickiness ends up being really good. Uh, so like you, you kind of, your MRR continues to grow a little bit more smoothly, um, to the point where it's like, oh, we have so much recurring revenue that we could even never outspend it acquiring some people, you know? Um, so, so yeah, like those are the biggest upsides of SaaS is like SaaS is the most snowballish type of business model, right? Like it really, we, really snowballs. We, we kind of see this on the constant side. Yes, it is humans delivering the product, but it is a reoccurring revenue basis. Yeah. If we could AI it, we would AI it. I just don't think AI is going to get there just yet. And they're, the ability to have predictable understanding around hiring, predictable amount yeah. of like, we can uh, we can onboard X before we Very have to sticky. spend yeah. on Y. Super sticky. I think it's the impact of life. Like you mentioned, if you can impact, I think for everything, though, whether it's physical, whether it's digital, whether it's uh, tech, if it's impacting someone's life or making it much easier, you're probably going to be okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all things, right. The more you can impact life, but I think the impact of life with SAS is just, it's more built in, right? Like it becomes both a part of their routine and it makes their life much better. Right. Like it's just kind of all the things. And, and then there's the, this big opportunity cost for them to even move on from you. Right. Like yes. to go to a different Clavio. solution is like, yeah, like, right. Clavio is like, who's going to move on from Clavio? You want to port your email list somewhere else and start over with the, your segmentation? Like, no, nobody does. Right. So um, so you just stick with Clavio, even if they increase their prices, you're going to move your whole company from Slack. Like you're going to do that. No, no one's going to do that. Um, no. so, so you just kind of stick with them. So like, yeah, I think, I think, like I said, Slack biggest upside, it's the most snowballish type of business model that like re really just builds and builds. Biggest downside I think is, is the upfront, right? Like it's, is not that easy to start. Those, dev those developers are not cheap, right? Uh, the communicating the value prop is almost never easy, right? So you can't usually quickly get people on. Um, you have some kind of sales cycle that is hard to do initially and, and you have to spend all this time kind of nailing it down. Um, yeah. and, and you have to have some kind of strategy up front for like bringing all of those eyeballs in and that's going to cost money too. So, so the capital side of it, I think is the biggest, hardest part of SaaS in to the point where most SaaS are, are V, are VC backed and that's a whole other world that you got to decide if you want to go into or, or not. And that's why you or I have never done it. Cause we just don't want to go into that VC backed world. No. And I think there's like a time where that might be like, if we're, if we're bored or we really want to add that level of stress <laughs> to our lives, we might jump into that space. But un until then I like, I like having my relationships and seeing how this is being built, seeing how like CMOs like Raba run it, seeing how like head of partnerships like Jeremy do, do it. Um, Alex, there's a lot of good, good, partnerships and operation people that I've been able to like see how they're, they're, they're growing their tech companies or the SaaS companies. Yeah. And because I have to work with so many of them, whether it's like a sponsorship or whether they're supporting us on some of the brands we have, 
it's been very interesting to see like what they're willing to spend on, what they're not willing to spend on. Um, and it, everyone's different. That's the one thing that there's no, even if it's you're talking to via customer, PostScript or attentive, all SMS tech supporting companies, so different, so many different things going on within their team, even Clavio, then you have like Sendling, so weird. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will say that there's all, also this whole other world that I don't know much about of people who do like bootstrap SaaS that is like no code, right? So they just use things like Zapier and, and stuff like that to like essentially make a, a micro SaaS, like a low cost tool to do something. I, I I can't speak to that at all, honestly. But um, I mean, there is another way to do SaaS. I should at least put that out there into the world. But um, okay, final question for you. If you were just starting in this world right now, like let's say you're working, okay, rewind uh, to back when back when Shaq was working at Apple, right? Your full-time yeah. job was to, it wasn't Apple, it was an agency um, taking care of Apple. Rewind all the way back to then, but instead of the year that it was, the year is 2023 or 2022 Ooh. or maybe even 2024. The, the year is like right now, right? Um if you were like in this mode where like I'm looking to start an online business and gain financial freedom, what would you get into? Business financial freedom. I would get into editing online, off, uh, brokering offshore talent to any business, whether it's physical or digital. I would find a way to educate myself on what what works in ads, what works in creative, mm -hmm. finding people that can do it and arbitrage the costs between them, just because a lot more people now, 2023, way more people are open to working with people that are not that that have an accent, that that sound different, that provide different skills if they can get the job done that you need specifically. That's where I would put a lot of my time and effort. Just how did Design Pickle do it? Okay, let's how many podcasts did they release? How did Constant? How does No Limit Creative? It's not a it's out there. Like there's a roadmap of how this has already been done. And all you have to do is differentiate it just a little bit. And you don't have to do a lot because at the end of the day, it is an agency, but you're only delivering something specifically that can be measured. I think it's a great place to start. And you can, yeah. you can arbitrage. I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, some kind of service offering or brokerage offering, which is essentially where we did start. Right. Yeah. Um, if, if I need to start making this back to what I said at the beginning, if I need to start making money right away now, is that the bit now next question with the resources that you have and that you've built over time. So resources, meaning money, uh, team members, uh, like community or a followership, right? Like the followers that you've built and stuff like that. What kind of business are you actually building in 2020? What What's the biggest focus of business that you're actually most involved with in building right now and you think has the most potential? I think the online community. Yeah. I think the, the, the community that we have because we, because we've spent the amount of years we're doing the in-person and we have the reputation around the quality of the in-person, I'm able to take that and try to port it over to online, which gives us way more reach. There's there's stickiness factor. There's there's actual backend numbers that we can like work into and be like, we can actually spend to acquire this. Um, sales cycles short. Value is almost immediate because now it's just like stacks on top of it every single day, which is why mm -hmm. Alex works so well every day there. And if we're investing in people wanting to share, there's always somebody that wants to teach or share. So as long as you provide quality intent for them how to do it, go into it. And I will tell you, I know you're in the online um, education space a little bit. The one thing that I know I'll make, I don't know if it's this year or maybe next year, 
but teaching people how to speak or how to give presentations, that's the course <laughs> that I'm going to build. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree. Now, given, let, let's just be clear about this. You and I have actually pretty similar personality types. Um, yeah. you know, so, so, uh, we're, we're in the same spot. We're like, Hey, if our back was against the wall and we were had to bootstrap, make some money, we would start offering some kind of service for fee or some kind of brokerage for fee. Um, with the resources we have, we're both going into some form of building a publishing or information or media, uh, company. For sure. Uh, however, we have a different, and I would be interested for Casey to chime in on this as well, because we have a different kind of, uh, personality where like, we don't mind building a community around us or we don't mind, um, like one of the things with info or publishing a lot of times is like, some people are like, they, they find out that they don't really like being niche famous. You know, um, they don't like it when people recognize them in the grocery store uh, yeah. or, or whatever. Right. And so it, it's like kind of a different we're, we're both OK with that. Whereas I could see somebody who's like, if I had resource, I would actually get into an e-commerce brand because you can build a 50 million dollar e-commerce brand and nobody can know who you are. Right. Yeah. Like there's an upside there. Uh, you could build a 50 million dollar SaaS, 100 million dollar SaaS or have a, you know, 12 X exit and, and nobody would ever know who you are. Um, and, and that's very possible. It's a little less possible when you're doing info media publishing. I mean, it's possible, but it's a little less possible. Yeah. Casey, I don't know. You want to chime in here? Yeah. I, I think it's interesting, um, depending on where somebody is, if they're actually thinking about how do I start making money online today? Um, uh, it's interesting to bring it to like the personality level, right? Cause you're kind of, uh, projecting out in the future, like, Hey, when we hit that, you know, that huge revenue bump, two years in or however long it takes, like, am, is this going to like conflict with like the things I'm like about me? Uh, so yeah. it's, 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 kind, but it's kind of an exercise that's, that's helpful to do because the last thing you'd want to do is find yourself a year into a business and it is kind of starting to show some progress and it looks like it could end up hitting something that's, that's very profitable for you and you just hate it. Exactly. And you yeah. lose all passion for it. Um, cause that's going to be the death of just about any business. I think is, uh, you know, when you see people who are on that ground level and they just don't care about it anymore, like how does it succeed? I, yeah, I just think what happens with that business is culture, nothing ever good, you know, um, dead on. All right, Shaq, as you know, we close every show out with a parting shots, the TLDR. It's the, if you didn't watch anything or if you didn't learn anything here, learn this, uh, you want to take a stab at it. You want me to do it? What do you think? I I'd love you. I'd love for you to do it. If you think you can do it off the top here. Based on what we just talked about? Uh, whole conversation. Okay. Whole, whole so, hour and nine we've been talking. Hour ten we've been talking. I think I think the biggest takeaway, I'll take a shot. If, if I miss it, you can cover me as you All like right. to speak for me at times. So the parting shot. If you were to start a business today, it wouldn't be a physical product. It would be a service for some sort of fee. That way you can get up and running. You can get as profitable as possible. And if you can, don't build it around your personal brand. Build around somebody else's personal brand or have it be faceless. I think I got it, dude. I, dude, that was it. Yeah, let's let's wrap it up. Casey, say the YouTube things. Take us out. That was awesome. By the way, I got to give you uh, points for the the joke you threw in there, Shaq, where you said if if John and you are ever just like bored and sitting around not doing anything, like you may you might dabble in some other uh, areas. Because <laughs> that's yeah, what I think of when I think of you two guys is you guys are just bored, you know, twiddling your thumbs all the time, right? Nothing to do. <laughs> all right. Anyway, Modern Commerce, thank you for watching part in the video uh, if you did hopefully you enjoyed it uh, i know i did uh so go ahead and hit a like on the video i know i'm going to 
Uh, make sure you're subscribed to our channel as well and click that bell icon to get notifications because we do live shows mostly these days and you could actually jump in and participate in the conversation. So it uh, wasn't live today, but we'll definitely have Shaq back very soon on a live show so you can ask Shaq your very own question. And until next time, we'll see you.